Philippians 1.9 says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. Today, we're kicking off a brand new season with the journey through Philippians, and it seems Paul already has some rather presumptuous ideas of what we should get from it. This is day one. Welcome to the Journey Through Philippians podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's Word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Philippians can help us understand more about who God is and the story He's writing for each of us every day. Well, we're back for the journey through Philippians. I'm your host. I'm Tyler. I'm the creative director here at the Willow Creek North Shore campus. I'm joined by Brendan Lang and Melissa Payne. Hey! Brendan is our local Bible theologian, a writer, content creator. What all do you do? Uh, Archaeologist. (laughs) He brings wisdom. He brings the wisdom. That, well, maybe. That covers a lot of it, I guess. Remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. We're still, it's it's always in flux. And then we have Melissa Payne, who is our community life pastor for student ministries. I'm actually the student life pastor. They just changed it this year. Sorry. Wow. (laughs) Melissa is the student life pastor. Thank you. Big difference. There is. For the North Shore campus. Yes. And we're happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You guys ready to do this? We're going to jump in to four weeks. Let's do it. Sounds great. Of a journey great. through Philippians. And this season's a little different, mainly because there's less words to read. There are a lot <laughs> less. There it's are a lot less great. words to write. Too, right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm reading scripture, so it's going to be way easier for me. Yeah. But the nice thing is we can also get much deeper with what we're talking about Mm -hmm. and we can kind of think and focus on what Paul was writing. A lot more time to unpack. Yeah. The cool thing about this too is, you know, Philippi, Philippians Mm -hmm. is in Greece. It is in Greece. And you're Greek. I am. (laughs) So this was like a bucket list moment when I got to go to Greece. Yeah. We did a little pilgrimage. I think I... Over to the... Where are you... I found my home. Did you actually? Like, do you know where your roots are? Emotionally, she found her home. I did. I was one with the olive trees. Well, no, no, I mean... No, I'm actually from Tripoli, which is to the west of where we were Mm. in Athens and in Kavala and Philippi. We actually went to Greece, went to ancient Philippi. Why do we do that? Why? (laughs) Why did we do that? The funny thing is, that is literally the question we got from everybody we met at the area of Philippi. They're like, what are you doing here? We went like four separate days of the same archaeological site. And every time they're like, what? <laughs> Usually and not nobody, just there, but like all the surrounding towns, they're like, yeah. you're here. They weren't sure. They thought we were like, vacationing and we yeah, chose like to you, go to you Philippi. Spend, you spend a week in Greece and you're spending all this time here and not in like Athens. You know, Right. Like, we stayed yeah. in the ancient city of Neapolis, the yeah. port city of Neapolis. It's now called Kavala. Yep. And we get there and they're like, why are you staying in Kavala? Like you've got like this <laughs> what, do you, what do you have against uh, against Kavala? I, I loved Kavala. Like, I, I don't know. What, oh, there, beautiful. There was shade yeah. all the time. Yeah. They were throwing. I mean, we would get up at sunrise every day. Mm, so we'd get out there favorite. and shoot, and it was like the most amazing sunrise ever. Mm-hmm. But people were throwing shade on Kavala. They yep. were. I thought it was okay. I'm guessing that when Paul landed in Kavala, he was like, "Yeah, this is pretty great." Yeah. You know, this is where I need to start a church here. Because mm-hmm. he went there before he went to Athens. Right. To be clear. Yeah. So <laughs> so you think Athens is well, better is I mean, what you're saying. Well, it's bigger. I liked Philippi. I mean, yeah. It was kind of one of my favorite places. So, so what, wait, what was the question? What was the asked? question? <laughs> where are we going? Why did we go to Philippi? So why yeah. did we go to Philippi? Because I believe scripture was written to real people who lived in history in real places. And 
there's so much to be gained about going to those places and seeing what life was like for them. And yeah, I mean, we don't have everything, but we have so many material remains that can help bring letters like this to life. And we can see buildings that were significant to them. When we can see theaters, inscriptions, so much there that can help bring the letter of Philippians to life. So that's why we did it. I think the cool thing was the first day that we went, we did leave at like sunrise. After being very jet lagged, we woke up at sunrise and we start driving the, what, like 10 kilometers, 10 miles. You start taking a video and you're like, all right, guys, we're heading to Philippi and thinking you're going to take one video. And then there was like a road closure. (laughs) (laughs) And all these blocks. Yeah, we got rerouted and it took way longer than expected. Yeah, it took a lot longer. I thought it was going to be about 10 minutes, 15. Mm -hmm. It was like 25. It was 25 the first day. And Mm -hmm. then we got there and it was closed. It was. Mm. Turns out a city can be closed. Yeah. An ancient (laughs) city can be closed. As it turns out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what was really cool was getting there Mm -hmm. and realizing it was a real place. Like this is a place that you can still go and visit and it's still got a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, architecture and remnants of that day and age that they lived in. I don't know. I walked up. I had this kind of moment. I was like, we're walking in the like steps of history here. Mm -hmm. We're walking through biblical times in a lot of ways in a lot of places that Paul and the first century church would have walked. Was there anything surprising to you guys about being there, like just showing up and... I feel like Brendan right off the bat was like, oh, now these rocks over here are for this. And like, <laughs> I was just making that up. And these stones be- over here, you know, were the actual, probably where the wall was. And so I was. Oh, it was definitely where the wall was. But anyway, yes, continue. So I was first of all fascinated by the fact that Brendan was our very own archaeologist that was with us to show us exactly. The hat and whip really sold it for me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it looked good. It, it did. did. Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah. Actually, I had a friend who studied archaeology at school with me, and he did have the bullwhip and the hat and the... Now, do you think that's just because of Indiana Jones or oh, do you think that like, <laughs> did he, just, like a he like, actually it? needed it's, that whip It for is something? not necessary <laughs> okay. unless you're fighting right. like just the checking. Nazis or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it was just a moment where you walk in and we see the theater and we see where these people lived, where they walked, and then to go and see exactly where... Paul walked and where he was possibly put on trial and, you know, all of these things, which I think we'll talk about throughout the weeks. But there was a surreal moment that this really happened. And for me, that was the first time I'd ever been anywhere that was that significant in history. Yeah, I think for me, I studied the archaeology manuals. <laughs> I, I knew like, I knew everything that was going to be there, but it's still always really cool when you can go mm-hmm. to a place, when you can touch, you can feel, you know you were right where significant events happened, mm-hmm. not just history, because there were significant things that happened there in world history, but also biblical history where people you know, and like Paul, the letters that he wrote, he spent time in Philippi, and later on he writes this letter to the Philippians, and so that's why we did it. Mm-hmm. The cool thing for me was the significance that this is like the first church planted in Europe. It was, yeah. You know, outside of the Holy Land, this is the first church, Christian church planted in Europe, and Paul does this. And we're going to get into like Paul's mission, everything that he's doing, Mm -hmm. his whole motivation behind it a little bit later. But that was the thing that struck me is we're kind of landing and staying where Paul landed in Mm -hmm. Kavala or ancient Neapolis. And then we're making that journey all the way from the sea to the city Mm -hmm. and realizing, oh, this is it. This is the first city that had a Christian church in it in Mm -hmm. all of Europe. And sort of the legacy that creates was probably the most mind-blowing thing to me. We shot a bunch of videos, and we're going to put them online so you can watch those as well if you want to find out more, or if you just want to see all the things we're talking about. It was super interesting, super cool. And we also did a bunch of really fun, random cultural things that we weren't expecting. (laughs) I never thought... (laughs) 
What's so funny? I just never thought that I was going to have to I remove mud <laughs> from Brendan's eyes. Physically. And allow him to Play. regain his sight. Play. I, it was the first time in my life I felt like very, very much like Jesus. You, yeah. Yes. That is a, it was, I was just removing mud from moment. his eyes and all of a sudden he could see again. And that's what Jesus, yeah, blind Bartimaeus. And it was clay. And both yeah, the, it there was and the story. Clay. Yeah. So, so that's a little, that's a little teaser. We no. may mm-hmm. have visited some ancient clay pits and Brendan <laughs> may have gone head over heels, literally getting into the spirit of the mm-hmm. ancient history. So how this book and podcast works is every week we have five days of reading. The fifth day is actually just rereading the whole chapter. So each week we're actually doing one chapter of Philippians and the fifth day is rereading that whole chapter, not broken up into days. And if you're in the book, we have sort of a creative expression of that. And we'll get into why we chose that direction a little bit later too. For the podcast, it's going to be very similar to your book reading experience, but at the end, we want to have a little bit wider discussion area. And on top of that, if you do want to watch the videos, that's going to give you even more context and show you some visuals of what it was like to be in Philippi. Yeah, and it's worth checking out the books too. I know like the idea of this is that it makes it easy for you as you're on the road, but Tyler took a lot of great pictures of Philippi that relate specifically to things that are in each day's reading. Definitely. Really great creative expressions on the fifth day of each week. And so it's worth taking advantage of all the resources. We're going to learn a lot about Paul. We're going to learn a lot about Philippi and the players in this, what he's saying to the church at the time in Philippi, but also what he's saying to our church now and how relevant it still is. I think even in that intro scripture that I read, you can hear like his intention for writing this letter. But to start us out, Brendan, why don't you take us through the commentary for day one? Day one, love abounding. When writing a letter, we tend to follow certain formats or conventions. We start by identifying the recipient. We then write the body of the letter. Finally, the letter concludes with a polite closing that identifies the writer. These conventions vary somewhat depending on the specific type of letter, but they tend to follow a general guide. One of the first and most important things we should notice about the book of Philippians is that it is a letter. When the Apostle Paul composed this letter, he followed some of the standard conventions used in his culture, the Greco-Roman culture. This is especially clear in the opening section of Philippians. Paul begins this letter by identifying himself as the writer. Then he identifies Philippian Christians as his intended recipients. He follows this with a greeting. Finally, he ends his introduction with a note of thanks and prayer. This was the standard way that letters were written in Paul's culture. While Paul was guided by ancient letter writing conventions, he also felt the freedom to transform some of these conventions to make powerful points. For example, In this and other letters, Paul created a wordplay on the standard Greek greeting karain, which means greetings. He did this by substituting it with a theologically profound phrase containing the same letters, charis, kai, irene, grace, and peace. Paul often greeted people this way because he wanted to express more than a simple hello. He wanted his readers to experience the grace and peace of God that had radically transformed his own life. Another way Paul's letter to the Philippians differed from the conventions of his day is found in the note of thanks and prayer included in verses 3 through 11. In other Greco-Roman letters, this section usually included a prayer for the health or wealth of the recipients. Paul made no such prayer for the Philippians. Instead, he prayed that their love may abound more and more. Paul prayed this not because he didn't care about the physical well-being of his Philippian readers, but because he understood from personal experience that allegiance to Christ did not always lead to better physical circumstances. What was more important was that these Christians maintained a spirit of love no matter what situation they found themselves in. This is a prayer that we would do well to make our own. Imagine what our churches would look like if our prayers became less about improving our physical circumstances and more about expanding our capacity to love. For day one, we're reading Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. 
Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Melissa, why don't you take us through our reflection questions? And if you could, just read the question one at a time, and then we'll take a few minutes to reflect or journal if you'd like. First question. How would you describe Paul's feelings towards his Philippian readers? Why does he feel this way about them? Who in your life do you feel this way about and why? Second question. After sharing his affection for his Philippian readers, an affection that is modeled after the affection of Christ Jesus for us, Paul prays that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. The idea here is that they would have more than just a widespread love, but also a wise and discerning love that is able to distinguish what matters most from what is less important. How have you seen wise love in action? In what relationships could you use more wise love? Well, today I want to talk a little bit more just about the context for what this book is about. And who is Paul? There's like this guy, we've already talked to him about him a lot on this episode. And if I don't know anything about this guy, this guy seems uh, kind of a little bit presumptuous. Presumptuous? I mean, the scripture for today, he's like, you know, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. It's, yeah, it's deep, isn't it? Yeah. Like, who are you? Come at me. Come at why, me. <laughs> why are you telling me that I need a depth of insight? Well, you need a lot of love too, right? That's oh. true. Love that would abound more and more. So who mm-hmm. is Paul? What's his deal? Why is he even writing a letter to Philippi? There's a lot you could say about the guy, but he is Jewish. Roman citizen as well, which makes him perfectly suited to minister to the people living in Philippi. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But he's someone who met Christ on a road one day when he was traveling actually with papers to try to kill Christians. And when he had that experience, it radically changed his life. And from that moment on, he made it his life's mission, his goal to share the gospel with Christ because he saw the impact that God made in his own life. He wanted everybody else to have that experience. And so that's what he's doing here. He went to Philippi first, shared the gospel, and then several years later, wrote this letter to the Philippians because he wanted to continue to encourage them in their faith. And so when you say met Jesus on the road, you mean actually saw and experienced 
Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know exactly what it was, but he talks about how he saw, and it's not just like some mystical experience. I mean, that's in some ways how it comes across and acts like there's a bright light. It's not exactly the same experience that the disciples had when they met the resurrected Jesus, but the way he talks about it and describes it, yeah, he met the resurrected Jesus and it changed his life. And so that changed his life. And now he's kind of going out on mission. He's like a missionary or like, what's his, what's his actual I mean, I guess purpose or goal yeah, here? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say he's the very first missionary, but he traveled to all sorts of churches, traveled all around the Greco-Roman world because he wanted to let everybody know like, hey, this guy actually rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, that changes everything. It changes how we should live our lives. But these people are not Christians. They care about something much different different. They're coming from different cultures. What is the Greco-Roman world about? What is the context for where he's going and traveling into? That's a big question. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how do you describe American culture? I mean, culture? I, took, I took like history class or in North high school. American culture. So I remember that a little bit. History and they had class. the Colosseum and like they yeah. had lots of power and they ran most of the world. Well, the Romans did, right? right. So yeah. And I mean, they believed in all these gods, right? Those are all things that Paul is entering into. Just a little bit about Philippi. It's in the country of modern Greece today. Back then, it wasn't called Greece. This was an area, a district called Macedonia, Macedon. If you've heard of Philip of Macedon, if you've heard of Alexander the Great, comes from this area. But Philippi, it was also a Roman colony in Macedonia. So it had these Roman influences and these Greek influences all impacting the way people thought and lived their lives there in Philippi. And these were people, like Melissa said, they worshiped a variety of gods. We took pictures of these. We saw a lot of these. They also worshiped the Roman emperor. People did all throughout the Greco-Roman world, but especially in places like Philippi, where it was super important that they had a good relationship with the emperor. Well, and we like on the way driving up to Philippi, we actually went to Mount Olympus because we're like, if yeah, we're in Greece, yeah, why not sure. go to Mount Olympus? Yes, but that's, that's where they thought these gods resided. And we got up there and I was like, yeah, I could see that's why. We yeah, couldn't I mean, even see the top of the mountain because it was like hazy and Yeah, and then we like we And would, we just kept driving and, and it was driving, like never ending. And winding roads. And it well, and was, there's like these hazy mystical areas kind of. You remember mm -hmm. that couple I was taking wedding pictures right there? Yeah. It's such a oh, yeah. crazy spot with all these trees and the cover. It's a beautiful place. And yeah, you can imagine why people believe that. Yeah. So was life good for these people, these citizens of Rome that were living in Philippi? I've got to imagine that if you've got this dude who shows up and starts saying everything that you think is wrong about how you live your lives, and this is how the right way to do it, they would have been like a little bit confused. We shouldn't say that it was good for everybody. Just like in Rome, you, and you've heard about this stuff in world history class. You know, you have the elite, you have certainly the people who are in government, you have the social elite, but you also have a lot of slaves, a lot of servants. And we actually see that here in the very first verse of the book of Philippians. Paul refers to himself as a servant of Christ Jesus, literally a slave of Christ Jesus. He's saying, in some ways, I can identify with you guys. And when he goes to Philippi for the very first time, he actually exercises. Is that the right word? He kicks out. Exercise <laughs> the yeah. not, not like I saw that movie, stuff. The Exorcism. The Exorcism, yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw that movie. Yeah, yeah it gave me nightmares at 3.30 a.m. every... Yeah. <laughs> for a few years. <laughs> for a few years. <laughs> like, therapy's she... done a great job, though. We're doing good now. Yeah. So he does this for a, a girl there, a slave girl, who basically these social elites were using her as property and he removes the spirit and it causes a lot of problems. He actually ends up getting put in prison because of this when he's in Philippi. But eventually he escapes. He does. By he the grace leaves. of God. By the grace of God, he escapes. But what he does while he is there is he does make himself a slave, not only just to the cause of Christ Jesus, but Paul was not just a missionary. He was a tradesman. Just like most people who are middle class or lower, they had a trade that they did. Yep. And most people think that Paul was either a tent maker or a sail maker or something like that. So Paul's method when he goes to these churches is he just kind of slips in with 
those people, the artisans, which is why our creative direction for the book is very much artisanal. Our goal was to show that you're not going to go into a city like Paul did and go to the chief magistrate and be like, well, you hey. do, but you get whipped by them. It's <laughs> right, right. So I don't like whips unless they're your Indiana Jones whip, Brendan. Yeah. That's so, what I thought about yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to probably the artisans, at least for me. I'm going to go to the creatives. I'm going to slip in with them. Yep. And that's the community that I'm probably going to end up sharing that mission with or that good news with is the people who I can build relationships and identify with. And that's why we kind of went with that creative direction for the book. The fifth day, you see a representation of artisans. And it's really just an inspiration to get with the people that you are in relationship with already. Mm-hmm. Your circles that you identify with, those are the people who are actually going to be able to listen and hear the things that you're talking about. Yep. So Paul is this artisan. He comes to Philippi for the first time. And one of the people he meets in his trade and through his artisanal sort of connections is this person, Lydia. Who is Lydia? She's from the city of Thyatira, but she's living in Philippi, working her trade. And she's also described as sort of a God fear. She's not a Christian yet. Obviously, this is the first time Paul's gone here. She's also not Jewish, though, but she does worship the Jewish God. And she's hanging out actually at this river, which we shot some of our videos at. And it's because Philippi, it was a town that really didn't have much of a Jewish population. Usually when Paul would go to different cities, he would go to where the Jews met because those are the people he felt he would have a great connection with, at least start sharing the gospel there. And to have a synagogue, you had to have a minimum of 10 Jewish men there. Philippi didn't have a synagogue, so they worshiped at this river. So he goes out, meets her at this river, and shares the gospel with her, and she becomes the very first convert and church leader there at Philippi. We can't understate the fact that he went to somebody who wasn't Jewish and also wasn't in like the Roman elite and also wasn't a male. Yeah. You know, she's an artisan, female, not exactly... She's not exactly what expect to start the church. There's a lot of things going against her for being the person of influence in a city like this. Yeah, I think it's great that we see here in scripture that God is using a female in leadership in the church. And for myself, you know, that's encouraging just to be able to know that God's using everyone and wants everyone to come and be a part of it, but that also she helps to start this church and we start to see how she is really influential in this area. So Lydia is among the people that Paul is probably writing this letter to. It's the people who have stayed and maintained this church of Philippi. And grown the church, yeah. Yeah, and it's become something that's of note to the point where he needs to write them a letter and let them know, and he's got some course corrections. And really what he's talking about in this letter is unity and unity of the Mm -hmm. church and how a lot of the stuff that they can get hung up on really needs to fall away because of the mission of spreading the gospel. But what he says in this first verse, this first reading for today is all about how have you seen love in action? And Melissa read this question and it ends with this idea of how have you seen wise love in action? What does that mean? Because that sounds very churchy. So Paul makes this prayer here. I think it's fascinating. We talked about this in the commentary, this idea that typically in a letter, it'd be a prayer for health, prosperity, wealth. But he says, I want your love to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I want it to be wise. And I think the idea is that like, there are lots of ways we can show love, but some types of love is naive. Like it's not really thoughtful. It hasn't really thought through what's actually best for the other person. What's actually best for my church? Like how can I best display love for others around me. It it requires some sort of wisdom. And Melissa, for like, as a pastor, how do you do that? How do you like show wise love rather than just, hey, you're a person. (laughs) I love you because you exist. Like how does, what does wise love look like? I think 
you know, since I work with students, there's always situations where kids are maybe going down a wrong path or they are choosing things over their relationship with Jesus, which they know is wrong. But I think it's in those moments when you choose to love them right where they are, and then you help direct them and lead them in a direction back towards who Jesus is, you know, and I think that comes from listening to what they're going through and then actually giving advice that comes more from scripture and not just like an opinion that I have towards, you know, what they're going through. Yeah, it actually, it's the best display of love. Like a naive love would encourage them and say, you know, whatever, you're doing fine. And you, you, do like, you. you make them feel, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's more discerning and, and thoughtful about like what's really best mm-hmm. for the other person. And Boy. sometimes it doesn't always feel good, but in the end, it ends up being the best thing. It's definitely the most selfless way to do it mm. too. If I have an agenda... And I'm coming in with just my agenda of how I think that you need to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going through some hard stuff, but really what you need to be focusing on this is praying. Right. And it's just like, well. It's like, well, I kind of already did that. (laughs) Yeah, I did that. And now I'm in some trouble and it's not really helping. Right. But what you're saying is that if you can actually think about and contextualize it to the person, Mm -hmm. to the relationship, that that's the real love. Yeah. So what else are we going to learn over the book of Philippians? Do you want to tease it for us? Yeah, for sure. I mean, just to hit some of the big ideas we're going to continue to see, and Paul's going to continue to hit, we're going to be reading a lot about unity and love. This was an issue for the church in Philippi, but also joy. What I find so fascinating about Paul is that like, he was imprisoned in Philippi, and later on, he writes this letter from prison, and yet he speaks of this joy that overflows. He used that word like 17 times in the book. And also just like what it looks like to put Jesus first above everything else. These were people who had pride in the fact that they were citizens of Rome at Philippi, but Paul as a citizen of Rome knew that the most important thing was being a citizen of heaven. We should put that first. That's what we're going to experience over the next four weeks. And we have so many fun stories from being in Greece. Oh my. At Philippi. Yep. So many ups and downs. We can't wait to share them with you. Thanks for joining us for the Journey Through Philippians podcast. If this is your first time, we're so glad you checked us out. Keep listening. If today didn't seem like your cup of tea, check back tomorrow. Every single day is just a little bit different. To check out even more resources like videos from Philippi, children and family resources, and ebooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org and follow us on Instagram at willowcreeknS. Be sure to share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>